Hi there. My name is Dr. Pragenta, and I'm the host of the Dr. Nurse Podcast. I'm an advanced nurse practitioner, and I want to be your guide into the world of nursing professions. This podcast is a platform for nurses to share their journeys as they made their way in the diverse field of nursing as either entrepreneurs, academia, private practice, or even the corporate world. I think we should celebrate just how diverse the field of nursing is through mentoring one another with the stories of our career journeys. Nothing is too mundane because each journey is unique. This podcast will showcase career options to encourage nurses to view their degrees with a business mindset. After all, we work in the healthcare business. And ultimately, I hope I might inspire you to make a change if you're looking for something different. I am motivated to see you live your best nursing life, and that looks different for everyone. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast, and let's get started with today's guest. Before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to take a second and tell you guys about the Net Worth Nurse Savannah Arroyo's big launch happening this week. If you listened to the episode that I had with her a couple weeks ago, then you already know how passionate she is about empowering nurses to take control of their finances to grow their careers. Therefore, she and her team created a series of extensive educational videos, spreadsheets, downloads, and tools to do exactly that. Her team is also hosting coaching calls, live events to help provide any additional support for nurses as they learn about investing in basic financial principles. I have attached the link so that you can learn more about the package in the show notes. Savannah is offering all my listeners 10% off her wealth building bundle. The code is DRNURSE, all caps. Last day to sign up is February 1st. I hope you move to prioritize building your wealth in the new year so that you can be free to do what you enjoy. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hi guys, welcome to the Dr. Nurse Podcast. Today I have Dr. Danielle McCammy. She is a DMP, APRN, board certified acute care nurse practitioner. She was inducted into a fellowship of the American College of Chess Physicians back in 2019. She is a mentor, nurse motivator, an expert clinical care and practice clinician. She attained all her degrees from Georgetown University. She has a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctoral degree. She also was recently elected as the vice chair of an end-of-life care network where she focuses on education, raising awareness um, in the palliative end-of-life care in chest and clinical practice. She has nearly 20 years of nursing experience, over a decade as an acute care nurse practitioner, and she's currently working as the chief advanced nurse practitioner, pre-anesthesia testing department, and she is a senior advanced practice provider in the surgical intensive care unit. She also, in addition, is the co-creator and chair of the Doctoral Nurses Collaborative, which is a group that joins DMPs and PhD prepared nurses throughout her current healthcare system. One of the other things that I really liked is that she is the founder, CEO, and president of the DMPs of Color Incorporated, which is a nonprofit nursing organization that is building community for nurses of color through networking, mentorship, advocacy, um, to increase diversity in doctoral studies, clinical practice, and leadership. I'm just so excited to have you on. Your energy is infectious. Um, I know my guests are going to get a lot out of just what you have to say today and describing your journey from where you were to where you are. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for the invite. I'm so humbled and appreciative. So let's dive right in. 
describe to me a little bit more about what you do at your current job um, and okay. your job title. My current job, I'm the chief nurse practitioner of the pre-anesthesia department, and I lead a department of about 12 individuals, six nurse practitioners, six support staff. And our goal for our department is to make sure patients are optimized in preparation for surgery and that they're safe to receive anesthesia. We basically collaborate with the anesthesiologists, the surgeons, the patients, of course, and their providers, whether it be their primary care, cardiologists, pulmonologists, just to ensure that all of their chronic conditions are optimized. So meaning if they need any recent labs or diagnostics to make sure that everything will be good to go for them to have the best possible outcomes for their surgical procedure. And on the side, my side hustle, <laughs> I still do PRN in the surgical ICU, which is my love. I'm a critical care nurse practitioner. Our particular service. We call ourselves jack of all trades, master of none. And I think the phrase goes on to something else, but we have a unique specialty because we do cardiac surgery, vascular surgery, trauma, burn, neurosurgery. We get to rotate through the different specialties. It's an awesome experience and I just can't quite let it go. Uh, Also, you've developed this this nonprofit that you you organize and describe to us a little bit Mm -hmm. about what you're involved in there. My nonprofit is my passion. This is my mission and will be my legacy. It is DMPs of Color. As you mentioned, we're a nursing 501c3 nonprofit that came from my experience of going to a PWI, which stands for a predominantly white institution, Mm -hmm. being the only Black woman in my cohort at the start. I came with being the product of a single parent family household and all the statistics that are placed on having that layer. And then being a Black woman in America lay on that layer. And then being a Black woman from a single parent family household, pursuing higher education, Mm -hmm. a doctorate nevertheless. So all of that, that came with that as well. And then that understanding of having to represent my my family, my ancestors, and then having to prove not only to myself, but to my colleagues and my professors that I earned this place Mm. and space. And then also how do I occupy it so that I'm not boxed into one thing or another. I just craved community because I couldn't come to my cohort mates and be like, look, man, there's a lot of things going on because they couldn't really relate to my lived experience. And so I looked to my current nursing organizations and they didn't quite have what I was specifically looking for. I wanted something that focused on nurses of color getting their DNP. And I was like, do you guys just have a space for just DNPs of color? And I couldn't find it. So I ended up launching a Facebook group just organically it grew beyond my wildest expectations that was back in i guess 2016 2017 ish fast forward to today we're still our organically grown social media group but we have private facebook group and linkedin group and combined we have nearly 1800 folks so it has blown up but People find this space a safe space and a validating space because they see other folks that look like them. A lot of the stories that are told in our private groups is that they're the only one. And Mm. that creates a lot of challenges, a lot of pressure, Mm -hmm. Um, but also it puts an onus for us to pave the way for others. There's a certain obligation and a certain kind of way you have to move to have your influence and to make that path for others. I just want to touch on how important this is because you are right. There are not a lot of us. Mm -hmm. For my listeners, I am half African-American. My father is African-American. And I am used to a dad in Mm -hmm. a space where he is all alone. He is Mm -hmm. the only Black guy in whatever space it was that he would go into. And so he always encouraged me as a kid to be okay being alone. But it's nice to know 
that we are creating community as we move forward and we push yes. through barriers. We yes. can create little niches and little places where we can experience community and mm-hmm. not feel so alone. It, it's not a, a divisive thing. It's not, yes. you guys stay over there, we'll be over here. I don't think mm-hmm. that's it at all. I just not think all. for everything in life, you you gravitate towards people you have something in common with. Every friendship is based on that. I think it's really neat to be able to create a space where African-Americans or people with the same lived experience can Mm -hmm. talk and share as we push boundaries and limits that a lot of our family members have never achieved. My grandmother, my African-American grandmother was an LPN. Mm -hmm. And so it means a lot to me to be a DNP because I came from a grandmother that she was an LPN. That's how she supported her family. And so Mm -hmm. I hear you on pushing past those barriers, but then creating community once you get past those barriers. And it Mm -hmm. sounds like there's a big need. That message for the need wasn't any louder. We had our virtual conference back in October. And so I was only expecting 60 people. I was like, we get 60 people. That would be success. Awesome. Girl, we had over 200 folks up in that piece. Like, I was like, wait, what? 200 folks registered. On the day of the conference, we probably had like 130, 150 people show up. And the energy was fire. People just felt so empowered, inspired. And that's our tagline, inspire, empower, and transform. People were just like, man, like, I'm seeing people speak that have their DMP and they're of color. And they're speaking to the issues that I'm experiencing and they're giving me tools to navigate and I'm expanding my network. And that's a key thing in our community. I'll speak to my experience that I just learned the value of networking like yesterday years old. You grow up, like I said, single parent, mom said, you go to school, you get good grades, you come home, you go to work, you do good work, you go home. And so you're never really taught to expand beyond that because that's just been like, you got to keep your job because you got to pay these bills. As I stand in my power, in my authentic space as CEO, which took me a while to kind of be like, I'm a CEO of a whole thing out. Yeah. So as I've claimed that space, um, recognizing the importance and the value of networking. And so we empowered that kind of essence in the conference and people were just like blown away. It was amazing. So people are like, can't wait for next year's conference. So that's going to be really exciting. That's incredible. Again, one of the things that I hearing reverberating through all these nurse practitioner stories is finding a gap and closing the gap. And so that's what you did with DMPs of color. You Mm -hmm. found a gap and you closed it. I I say that in regards to gaps in healthcare, but it can also be gaps in community. It can also Mm -hmm. be gaps in education. Those different, again, we are so good because we're at the bedside. We see the forest through the trees for our patients. If we can take that same skill that we have at the bedside and just apply it to life, Mm -hmm. we would actually be able to create a lot of businesses. We are people that could be CEOs and stepping into those roles because nurses Mm -hmm. are great at that stuff. That's really cool. And thank you for sharing what you do right now. How did you get to this specific spot in your journey? Take us back to when you decided, I'm going to be a nurse. How did you get from where you are right now? How mm-hmm. did you get, what was that moment you decided to be a nurse? Walk me through that story. Journey. I was young. My mom would tote me along to her home health client cases and she would set me up in the corner with my was color. She a nurse? Was your mom she, a nurse? She, she's an LPN. Okay. I would have my little plastic medical bag that I would keep my crowns and my little plastic <gasps> stuff. But she'll set me up in the corner. And she'd be like, you be good. Like I'm going to go take care of my, you know, patients and blah, blah, blah. When she 
thought I was coloring, I was actually watching her. And I was just so fascinated how she could just go in and brighten each patient's day with just whatever she would do. I, at the time, I didn't understand, oh, she's giving them a shot or she's giving them medications and stuff yeah. like that. So by the end of the visit, like the patients would feel so restored and I could see the significant impact she made with each visit and how she paid attention to the details to customize her care to meet the needs for each of her patients. So I was just like, I want to be like you, mom. So I would say that after every patient case, and I was like, I want to be like you, mom. So she encouraged me like, absolutely be like me, but go beyond just kind of like how your grandma's story is. And so when I got to the process of, okay, I'm going to go to college. And what does that look like? I was in high school and I went to a guidance counselor because I was the first in my family to even consider going to college. And my guidance counselor discouraged me. She was like, because you are a product of a single parent family household, your family makes not even $40,000. Like you wouldn't even be able to make it because the statistics show because of your circumstances, you will not pass the standardized tests and all that. I believe that because I had taken the SAT scores and never got over a thousand, which was like the the benchmark. I believed it. She crushed my dreams of going to college. Thankfully, I had a coach, a track What's coach. What's her name? Call her out. Brought me in. <laughs> Girl, I had a track coach and I, sh- I shared the story with him because I was so overcome with emotion at track practice because of it. She literally like just killed it. It was like, boom, you're done. And so my track coach was in tune to all of his athletes. He saw that I was kind of not present and I shared the story and he was like if I could shake you I could so he began to tell me all the game secrets he was like you use you being a single parent of low socioeconomic status to your advantage because there's lots of support and resources that will pay for your application fees and pay for your college so that lit the fire back up and I was on a rampage I applied to like 20 schools nevertheless got in brought the 20 acceptance letters to the guidance counselor's office, laid them on her desk. It's like, you can keep the pencil. So then, and ever since then have been on fire. Sometimes that little voice of that guidance counselor plays in my head as I continue to advance to different levels. But then my coach's voice is is a whole lot louder in the other ears. I'm thankful for that experience because it showed how literally the course of my life changed at the drop of a dime. Went to college and ended up getting scholarship for each level of education because of my grades. So it was just like, okay, we just going to rock this uh, scholarship to the wheels fall off. So then ended up getting my doctorate, but reluctantly getting my doctorate because I was one of the ones that didn't see the value. And at the time I was enjoying my clinical practice in the ICU. I was killing it, slapping in lines, doing procedures, saving lives, taking names. So I was good. I was like, I don't need to go back. But one of my mentors, he was in my ear. He was like, you have so much more to give and that doctorate will open up a whole host of doors that you have no idea are before you. And I was like, you be an extra, like whatever. And he was right. Yeah. So yeah. here I am. You worked as an ICU nurse throughout all your degrees? Yeah, I pretty much stayed in critical care. I started off in the recovery room, was there for a couple years, and then transitioned to medical ICU and stayed there throughout my master's acute care um, program. And then wanted to stay in MICU for advanced practice, but didn't find any opportunities. So ended up up going to SICU, which was the best. I was like, I will never go back to MICU. SICU is clean. It's in, out. There's a couple of diagnoses we work with. And if it goes beyond that, we're consulting medicine. So, yeah. so sick you as life. <laughs> yeah. So you found like what kind of feeds your soul a little bit oh, better. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. I feel the same way about surgery. When I got into surgery, I was like, 
I like this. Like we just do our little stuff. And then we're like, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's really cool. I can connect to you with that. You went to Georgetown for all your degrees and you went on mm-hmm. a scholarship. So you mm-hmm. came out with no debt. And I'll let you girl. That's amazing. And you worked as a nurse practitioner through your doctorate. And did you go yeah. part time or did you work full time? Work full time. Wow. Work full time. It was it was touch and go. I can't even lie. It yeah. was touch and go at certain parts because Hard. a lot of my cohort mates were able to go part time because they already had the established wealth or they were married. So they had that that flexibility. Unfortunately, I did not. I was in the exact same position as you. I was single working mm-hmm. as, in, as a nurse practitioner and I was working full time and I went part time to school. And Mm. I've actually never shared this, but when I was getting my degree, it was the second or third year of Mm -hmm. the nurse practitioner program at the University of Florida. And they revamped the curriculum halfway Mm. through. Oh, geez. They cut out, I think it was like 20 to 30 credits that they cut out. Wait, wait, wait. That I had already done. I was sick, Danielle. Like, don't charge me for those credits. I was like, what? (laughs) And she's like, yeah, just just think like you had extra learning. I was like. (laughs) She said that to me. She said that to me. No lie. I was like, what do you mean? I said, you stole my youth. And my coins. It was incredible. I was like, does that mean I have a PhD? No, I'm just kidding. No, I I was like, fine, I guess you're right. I'll just look at it as learn time. Thank you. And I still had to finish out the rest of the the courses. (laughs) I was pretty upset about that. But anyway, so throughout your career, I know you Mm -hmm. had a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Tell Mm -hmm. me about a challenge that you really had to overcome in your career that felt like a failure, but in the end, you realized was a springboard to success. There's one currently that I can't really speak on, but I think like I mentioned earlier, just owning the space of being a CEO and what does that entail? Because in nursing school, they don't teach you how to be a business person, a business woman. So there's been a lot of ebbs and flows and highs and lows and lots of lessons learned. And I'm thankful that a lot of the lessons learned haven't been to the detriment of the organization, but it's been like, okay, sis, you're going to have to garner up some business skills (laughs) and education. How did you bridge that gap? Girl, I actually went and got a certificate in nonprofit management. Georgetown offered a certificate program and I I just had to because the energy required, the knowledge required to occupy the CEO role for DMPs of color is growing exponentially. And I recognized that I didn't have some of the basics down to meet some of those needs to secure our foundation to keep it strong and solid. That's how I've pushed through it. And it's still learning, but grateful for the opportunity to to learn. We don't learn any of this stuff. And that's kind of why, again, when you listen to the intro to my podcast, I talk about a business mindset because Mm. you realize that we work in the healthcare business and yet we don't understand. Like when people ask me, like, how much is this going to cost me? I'm like, I don't know. Hopefully you got insurance. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know any of that stuff. And so yep. that was, the, there's an ignorance. There's a lack of knowledge. And I think that that lack of knowledge keeps us less empowered. Oh and yeah. So by going out and getting that knowledge, just like you were like, I didn't know how to do this. So I'm going to go take a class and I'm mm-hmm. going to go learn and bridge that. Mm-hmm. And even then I still may not know everything, but oh, at least yeah. I know a little bit more than I did. Knowledge brings a lot of power that you can go, listen, you're not going to jerk me around. I know what my worth is as a mm-hmm. practitioner. I know what I'm bringing to the table. Facts. Um, tell me about throughout your journey, what have been some of the highs of the highs? When I reflect on my career, the highs of highs, and it's so funny because when I was thinking about the podcast, I was like, gosh, this is a high for me. The ability to be able to mentor 
others to be a nurse practitioner or throughout their various studies, whether it be their master studies or their DMP studies. So I had one of my DMP mentees hit me up. And so she, in the uh, implementation phase of her DMP project, so she calls me because she's trying to do televideo visitations during rounds so that the, we restore family presence during rounds. Because since the pandemic, we've restricted hours and only but too oh many different rounds. So she's got the video screen set up so that families that want to join rounds, they're they're on the video as we're rounding. So she that called me up. Great. Yes, dope, right? Yeah, I'm so proud of her. She called me. She's like, girl, this attending today is is he trying me? <laughs> because he wasn't following the protocol that she had set forth with. She says in the morning they get a list of which families want to be called via telehealth. And so she had the list, she presented the list to the attending and was like, What what order do you want to start? So he had it order, but he started going out of order. So she was trying to redirect him like, hey, I have to call the families to let them know so that they're ready, but you're going out of order. So she was like, girl, tell me why, how we do. So she's like going... A, B, C, one, two, three. And I'm like, okay, let's breathe. Let's get all that energy out because I'm going to need you to get back centered. So when yeah. you go back to him, you refocus in him to the to the purpose of this project and the importance of family presence oh. because that's part of the patient experience we're trying to bring to yeah. the institution. I just love that that she thought enough about me during that time. She's like, I need to call my mentor because I'm all the way wound up and I know that I can't with this physician right now, yeah. but I know that I can with my mentor. Yes. I love moments when in my mentorship experiences that we have this bond. And I love it when my mentees, when they get to that point and they get it, everything clicks. They're like, oh, so I'm doing this and that, and it creates this and, oh, and I can do this. It's like when they start seeing their potential yeah. and how to have it be manifest. Yes, It's just, I'm addicted to that. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. yes. That's right. That's what I see in you. So I love imparting that fire, oh. then having them spark their own fire to pass on yeah. another. So that's my, the highlight of my career is being that, that mentor, that light for others. What you were just teaching her right then and there was emotional intelligence. <laughs> By controlling herself, she would have the ability to control the attending, yep. control the, the situation, mm -hmm. get what she needs, which is I exactly. my project done. So she would go off. Now she can't get her project done, which is going to keep her from where she needs to go. Exactly. You allowing her to go, okay, now I need you to get your emotions under control. And we need to work <laughs> through emotional intelligence to get what yes. we need out of this, right? Okay. I guess my second thought is, and again, my father worked in a Fortune 500 company and mm. he had to work in the executive level of, of the business. That's a lot so of heat right there. That's a lot of heat, right? And so he's learned a lot about mm -hmm. emotional intelligence and he's mm -hmm. imparted that wisdom on me in those moments I do think about the things that my dad has told me mm. about controlling myself. Therefore, I can control the situation and get what I need out of it. Mm. That goes back to the networking that you were talking oh, about. Oh, yes. That training that I think, especially, I can only speak for myself and my experience. African-Americans, our networks aren't built up because we aren't going out into those positions and mm -hmm. taking those positions and being prepared for those positions. So we need to be. And we need to, mm -hmm. once we get there, look mm -hmm. back and say, hey, listen, this is how I got here. How, how can I get oh, yeah. you here? Because the more of us that are there, that's how you get more representation. Absolutely. That's the American way. It's who you right? know. Right? <laughs> right? So I, I agree. It's who you know. And what about mm. you? Did you have any mentors? I know that coach that's always been that little like. Uh, versus yes. I got to say his name. Hats off to coach Bill Coach Stearns. Like he is no. the man. Awesome. Every time. Yeah. I tell him every time. I'm like, Coach Stearns, my life 
literally changed because of you. And he's like, oh, McKamey, you're just being extra. <laughs> he's so humble. But yes, mentors. I mean, I have had... In the beginning, my thought process of mentors, like I have to have one and be loyal to as I've grown and evolved in my personal and professional life, I have like a literally a whole entourage of mentors. I think Beautiful. I probably have like six mentors. So in and, there's scripture that says in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. You're supposed to have a multitude of them. Definitely. But yeah, they're definitely like my wise counsel and they help me see things from so many different perspectives because they come from different walks of life, different paths within nursing and outside of nursing. So I definitely love the the value they bring and them just to want to give and pour into me with anything to be asked. Like I can call one up and be like, can I, I don't know, I can we go out to dinner? Sure, let's go. Well, there's literally nothing that I can't ask for that they won't do in their power to make sure that it is possible for me. So, oh my gosh, I have a lot, I have a whole entourage. Did any of them give you advice along the way? The biggest one is, and I say this always whenever I close out conversations like this, is don't let your circumstances define you, but you refine and redefine them. So that's something I always hang on to. I love that. Yeah, I hang on to that. I have one of my mentors. He's just, he's like, whatever. He's like, say yes, you'll figure it out later. And not everyone at the seats at the table knows what the heck's going on. I've learned that as mm-hmm. I've gone to the different tables. I'm like, you don't even know what's going on. And another thing that speaks out to me, because I used to always be like, gosh, why am I the only one? Why not me be the only one? Like, let Ooh. me take hold of this and represent and blaze this trail for others. So why not me? Yes, I will be the only one. That's fine. So That's really cool. We have the final question of our interview here. What advice do you give to a new nurse starting off in her career that you wish you would have known? Oh, man. I think early on, I wish I would have known the value of having more than one mentor in networking. I think since the pandemic, the way we network has changed because socially acceptable to just cold message someone on LinkedIn and say, hey, I was looking at your profile. I'm interested in the following. Can we have a conversation? So I would definitely encourage her to leverage the ability to network in that way. One thing that like now that I'm 40 years old and I'm at like a a crossroads with my life personally and professionally, I wish someone would have told me to always have a three to five year plan. Mm -hmm. And if that three years you even haven't, if you're in a place where you're not learn, if you haven't, if you're not constantly learning, teaching and growing, you gotta go. I would encourage her to get mentors, network, and make sure you evaluate where you are every three years and then come up with that three to five year plan because the way culture of things have changed having that level of loyalty to institutions is not valued the same anymore no so what you're saying is don't sleep hey don't sleep oh and that's you know whenever i got let go from that job we were talking before the podcast i'd been at that job it was going on five years almost five years Mm. and i was in that spot where you got comfortable I didn't want to leave. When they told me my job was ending, I was like, wait, wait. wait." Mm -hmm. And then when I started looking for jobs and I was like, oh, I can go anywhere. Hey, let's talk about knowing your worth, baby. Yes. Yes. What you did for me was fire me. That allowed me to go, oh, there's not just doors open. There's windows open. Hey, okay. Don't get stuck. Be looking out. 
be mm-hmm. developing. And, and even if your job is on autopilot, that just means, and you like it, well, go do something for yourself on the outside. Yes. Go set up a DNPs of color. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that's your thing, go find mm-hmm. that thing and yes. be doing that on the side. Yeah. Always be learning, always be growing. That's absolutely beautiful advice. I love mm-hmm. that. Yep. All right, Danielle. So the last part of our interview is the rapid fire questions. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So tell me, it's brunch. What do you eat? Oh, I usually will have some scrambled eggs with cheddar cheese, some arugula salad with some balsamic vinaigrette and a little bit of olive oil and avocado with some cracked pepper. And don't forget the mimosa, baby. (laughs) That's a good one. So what is the best vacation you've ever taken? Oh, best vacation I've ever taken. Puerto Rico is, I feel like I was Puerto Rican in another life. So every time I go to Puerto Rico... Yay! I love the island feels. I love the people, the food. It's easy to get around and obviously the weather. How do you start your day? I start my day with meditation. I listen to, I guess she's a philosopher. Her name is Abraham Hicks. And she does a lot around focusing on the things that you want, not Mm -hmm. the things you don't want. So lots around energy work. And so she has like these sleeping meditation play for like eight hours. I usually wake up to those philosophy teachings or binaural beats. So like the alpha theta waves, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like Like, the different Hertz. Yeah. So 400, yeah. 432 Hertz. 528. I think. Hey, yes. So I'll listen and find that spirit of gratitude because that's the highest vibration that you ever be in. And start my day off that. And it, it could literally 15 minutes because sometimes I just am like and 15 minutes but it's a game changer and even if you start off with five minutes I highly recommend the binaural beats 432 hertz whatever just go to YouTube yeah. binaural beats yeah and then just start thinking about the things you're thankful for plain and simple it's healing oh my gosh oh, yeah. it's healing to the soul the mind the body yes it just puts you in the right spot Absolutely. I love your morning routine mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that mm-hmm. where can people find you so they can find me on Instagram at Dr. McKamey. I'm also on Twitter. Please be sure to check out DMPs of Color. We're also on all the major social media platforms at DMPs of Color. Our website is www.dmpsofcolor.org. Please follow us. Hit us up. If you are a DMP of Color, please hit us up. We're going to be transitioning to a membership-based organization come the spring. So we would love for you to join us in pushing our mission forward to diversify the nursing practice profession. Thank you for your time, guys. Check her out. And thank you for listening today. We are at the end of our time together. I really enjoyed the chat. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode and leave us a review if you like the show. I would love to get five stars. The Dr. Nurse Podcast is on Instagram, so please follow us there for any updates on new podcasts and inspirational information to help you on your own journey. You can always message me at the Dr. Nurse Podcast at gmail.com with any career information or professions that you're interested in hearing about. And as always, thanks for listening. 
I want to thank my biggest fan supporter on Patreon, Kevin Pryor, for your support of this podcast. If you love this podcast and want to throw some support my way, I would greatly appreciate it. My link is in the show notes. And just a reminder, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only, and the information should not be used as substitute for professional care by a medical provider. The information in this podcast does not represent medical or other professional advice or services.